All right, let's begin our sermon this morning with prayer. We pray, Lord, sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Please bless us as we study your word this morning. Strengthen each one of us in our faith. Uh, Equip us to view our life the way that you view it, the way that you want us to view it. And uh, help us to live productive lives that glorify you in this world. So bless us, motivate us, and equip us through our sermon time this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Psalms could also be called the book of conversations with God. So there are 150 Psalms total, and in each one we see an Old Testament believer opening up and getting real with God about whatever it happens to be that they're going through in their life. Now, in last week's Psalm, wow, i got to come a little closer here. In last week's psalm, what we heard the believer talking about was hard times and how does God get me through the the tough times of life. Today's psalm is about the happy, successful times and how does God get me through the happy, successful times of life. And that might sound like a weird sentence. Like, how much does it take to to get through the happy and successful times, right? Aren't these kind of easy? Aren't these the times that are kind of good? Well, what we're going to see as we talk about it more is that the happy, successful times of life are actually some of the most challenging times for our faith. You realize that? Have you ever noticed that? The happy and successful times of life may actually be some of the most challenging times of life for our faith. And it's because during those happy and successful times, even though we should be saying, like King David says in Psalm 145, God, you're amazing. Instead, what we end up saying in the happy and successful times of life is something that sounds more like this. God, I'm amazing. Have you ever noticed that during the good times of life? You should be saying, God, you're amazing. Instead, you end up saying, God, I'm amazing. Maybe you've caught yourself thinking that way about your career. So let's imagine, hypothetically, that you have your dream job. Like, it really is a good job, and it's, it's working out exactly how you hoped, and things are taking place about as well as they possibly could. And as it happens, you can't help but look back and congratulate yourself. Because you studied hard in college while everybody else was partying. And you started at the bottom of the company, the bottom, and you worked your way up. And now you've made it to right where you want to be. Clearly, your career is successful because you're amazing. Or maybe you've caught yourself feeling this way about your finances. Maybe there was a time when you didn't have very much. Maybe there was a time when you were living paycheck to paycheck and it was really super tight, but you scrimped and you saved and you figured it out. And now, financially, you're right where you want to be. Your finances are in good shape because you're amazing. Or maybe you've caught yourself feeling that way about your health. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, you go jogging on the belt line and you are flying past everybody. And you go home and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I look good. And you do look good. You are really fit. And it's because you have committed to a clean, healthy diet. It is because you have committed to a great exercise routine, and it is clearly paying off. You haven't had any major health problems. 
You're fit and healthy because you're amazing. Right? You can list lots of different things. Really, any time that things are going well in our life, we tend to begin to think that this is because we are so amazing and give ourselves the credit. So it could be the fact that we have a lot of friends. It could be the fact that we have a strong, stable family. It could be the fact that we have a creative mind or an engaging personality or handyman skills. Whatever we're good at, whatever we're successful at, we want to take credit for it and say, this is happening because I'm amazing. But if you ever start to think that way, or when you ever start to think that way, it might be good to listen to what God said to the Israelite people right before they entered the promised land that he was going to give to them. Here is what God said to the Israelites. He said, When you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. But what an important reminder that is. Yes, you worked incredibly hard to get where you are in your career, but God gave you that work ethic. Yes, you were incredibly disciplined in your spending habits, but God gave you that discipline. Yes, you were incredibly consistent with your exercise routine, but God gave you that consistency. And God also gave you physical health and strength, and he protected you from random tragedies that could have derailed your plans completely, like a brain tumor, or a car accident, or having your work stolen, or having your identity stolen. This is going to be hard to hear. I'm going to say it anyway. There are a lot of people in the world that are smarter than you, and more disciplined than you, and harder working than you. And yet, because they were handed an entirely different set of circumstances than you were, they do not get to take advantage of the opportunities that you currently enjoy. That's a little bit humbling, isn't it? When we recognize that even the best things in our life, even our greatest accomplishments, None of them are earned. All of them, without exception, are gifts from a gracious God. As we read earlier, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Or if we're going to use the words of our psalm, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. He opens up his hand and satisfies the desires of every living thing. All of the good things in life, without exception, are gifts from a gracious God. And that's why when his life is happy and successful, David says, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. I'm not amazing. God, you're amazing. And so it should be for us. Like King David, when things are going great in life, instead of taking the credit for ourselves, we should be giving the credit to God for the blessings that he has undeservedly poured out into our lives. Blessings which not everybody else gets to have. 
But we face that temptation, right, of pride and of taking credit for the good things in our life. Speaking, though, of everybody else, uh, I want to take it a little bit deeper here and, and ask you this question and ask you about this other temptation. It might be a little bit more subtle. Yeah, when life is good, we might be tempted to take the credit. Maybe you can relate to that. But, but can you relate to this? That when you look at the good blessings God has put into your life, you're tempted to feel guilty. Do you ever feel that way? You look at all the blessings God has poured into your life, and yet you cannot help but think, what about all the people who didn't grow up with the same privileges and advantages that you have had? You look at all the blessings in your life, but you can't help but think, what about people who've been trapped from the very beginning of their life in incredibly unjust circumstances? What about all those kids out there who didn't get to apply for college or pick a major because they were working in a sweatshop from the time they were old enough to walk? What about all those kids out there who grew up surrounded by toxic, abusive behaviors which ended up pushing them into toxic, abusive behaviors which have prevented them from succeeding in so many different areas of life? And meanwhile, here you sit, with all these privileges and opportunities and a standard of living here in America that the vast majority of the world does not get to enjoy, do you ever feel guilty? I think sometimes we all do. But Psalm 145 is an answer for that temptation, too. And it is a temptation. God does not want you to feel guilty about the gifts that he has given to you because that's exactly what they are. They're gifts. See, the beautiful thing about a gift is you don't earn it or work for it. A gift is totally determined by the generosity of the giver. You can put something on your Christmas list or your birthday list or your wedding registry. Doesn't mean you're going to get it. A gift is determined by the heart of love and generosity of the giver. So God, the giver, looks at us living in this very imperfect, sin-broken world, and God determines he wants us to have some good things. God wants you to have some enjoyable, special, good things in your life. And so the reality is, whatever good things are in your life are there because God wants you to have them. God has picked out the specific blessings that he wants you to enjoy, and God doesn't want you to feel guilty about those blessings any more than a parent wants their kid to feel guilty on Christmas morning when they open up the, the presents that the parents have specifically picked out for them. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. Whatever good things you have in your life, they are there because God wants you to have them. But there's one gift that's bigger than all the rest. It's the gift that lasts longer than all the rest. God's greatest gift is forgiveness and eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ our Savior. Right? And that's the gift that God wants every single last person in the world to enjoy. As we're thinking about gifts, if we're going to have eternal life at all, it's going to have to come to us as a gift because it's something that we could never earn on our own. How are we on our own? On our own, 
we're incredibly selfish and ungrateful with the gifts God gives us. We maybe act as though we've earned them for ourselves, or we get them and then we twist them and we abuse them and we use them to take advantage of others. We treat God's gifts in such a shameful way that maybe we wouldn't be surprised if God decided to just take all of his gifts away from us forever. But God doesn't do that because he's a God of grace. He's a gift-giving God. This is the kind of God he is. This is the kind of thing he does. He opens up his hand and wants to satisfy the desires of every living thing. And so the way that God deals with our selfishness and ingratitude is by giving us another gift, a bigger gift than all the rest of them combined. And it's the gift of his son. Living a perfect life in our place, dying on the cross for all of our sins of selfishness and ingratitude, and then rising from the dead so that we can be sure of our future. And our future is that even though we are sinful, even though we are flawed, we have been washed, cleansed, and forgiven, and one day we will get to enjoy the eternally lasting gift of life with God forever in heaven. On that day, we will fully recognize that God is trustworthy in all his promises, faithful in all he does. On that day, we will truly be able to praise him and extol his name forever and ever. And we look forward to that day. We look forward to going to heaven. But what about right now? Where does this psalm leave us for our daily life right now? Well, Psalm 145 reminds us to thank God for his good gifts. Psalm 145 reminds us not to feel guilty about the good things God has given for us to enjoy. But finally, this psalm also motivates us to use the gifts that we've been given in a way that will be of maximum benefit for the people around us. So, I want you to imagine something to visualize this. Imagine that there are parents and they've got a daughter who is like five years old and they want her to experience the joy of being able to give a gift to her new little baby sister who's like one. So what they do is the parents take their daughter and they bring her in the car that they bought with their own money and they drive her to the store using gas that they've bought with their own money and they go into the store which is a place called Target and they go to the toy section and they go through the toy aisles and, and they let her kind of pick out what is the coolest, best toy that she would want to buy for her baby sister. And so she finds one. And they take that toy and they get some wrapping paper and some tape and they go to the checkout and they pay for it all with their own money. And they go back into the car and drive her home using the car and the gas that they've paid for themselves. And then they help their five-year-old daughter do a much better job wrapping this present than she normally would have. But finally it's wrapped and she puts her name on it and the baby's name on it. And on Christmas morning, her little baby sister opens up that perfect gift and her little face lights up and she, she stands and she waddles over to her sister and she says, thank you, thank you. And she hugs her big sister and it's so cute. And the parents are so happy. They just sit back and smile. But who really gave the baby the gift? It was the parents. Who provided the money, the transportation, the shopping help, the wrapping help? It was the parents. And that five-year-old daughter didn't really do anything. But her parents wanted to, her to experience the joy of being a gift giver. 
They wanted to include her in the process of pouring out their love to the baby. It's the same way with God and his gifts to you and to me. God wants us to experience the joy of being gift givers. He wants to include us in the process of pouring out his love to others. So, what does that look like for you? Well, it depends what gifts from God you're currently enjoying. It depends what blessings from God you've currently got going on. If God has blessed you financially, then God wants you to experience the joy of being a financial blessing to others. If God has blessed you with health and strength, he wants you to experience the joy of using your health and strength to do things and serve people and help people in ways that others with not as good of health and strength cannot do. If God has blessed you with a strong group of friends or a stable family or a creative mind or an engaging personality or handyman skills, he wants you to experience the joy of using those gifts for the maximum benefit for the people around you. But most importantly of all, God wants us to use all of these temporary earthly gifts to connect other people to the big gift, right? to the eternal gift, the gift of eternal life in Jesus, because in the end, that's the only gift that matters. A person could go through this life with every blessing you could possibly think of, but if they get to the end and they've been trying to do it all on their own without Jesus, then they're going to enter eternity empty-handed. Likewise, a person could go through this life and they could experience every trouble that you can imagine, like a miserable, terrible life. But if by the end they've been connected to their Savior, then they are going to live like kings in heaven. All of our temporary earthly blessings are meant to be used to bless others and most of all to connect others to the eternal lasting blessings that only can come through Jesus. So we've ended up talking a lot about gifts this morning. And as you're thinking of different kinds of gifts, uh, sometimes the best kind of gift is not a thing, but it's an experience. Right? It's the kind of gift that you don't like use it one time and put it on your shelf and forget about it, but it's a gift that allows you to keep doing something over and over. Maybe it's a, a zoo pass. Maybe it's a punch card that can be used at a bunch of different restaurants. Maybe it's ballroom dancing lessons. But a gift that allows you to keep doing something repeatedly, this we would call, right, a gift that keeps on giving. And as it turns out, all of God's gifts, all of God's gifts, are gifts that keep on giving. Because no matter what God's gifts are to you, all of them provide you with continual opportunities to serve the people around you, and most of all, to experience the joy of getting to connect people to the eternal gift of heaven. So, you get a gift and you write a thank you card. How do you possibly thank God for something like this? For a buffet of gifts, a stream of gifts like he's poured down to you, every one of them giving you the joy of giving on more to others. How do you thank a God who gives gifts like this? Well, King David has a suggestion. Praise his holy name forever and ever. That sounds pretty good. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus your Savior. Amen.